Welcome to Cars Yeah! This is show number 400. It's not what you know, it's who you know. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Patrick Long. Patrick, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yeah, I'm ready. It's great to be here. Awesome. Thanks for being my guest today. Patrick Long has been a Porsche factory driver since 2003. He's a three-time ALMS GT driver's champion, class winner of the 24-hour of Le Mans, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, the 12 hours of Sebring, and Petit Le Mans. He's the only North American employed as a factory racing driver for Porsche and a class winner at the 2013 score Baja 1000. In 2015, he raced with Patrick Dempsey in the FIA World Endurance Championship, and he drove with Team Falcon Tire for selected events in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. With California roots and a European racing pedigree, he's one of the top sports car drivers of his generation. So, Patrick, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your history, your racing career, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Yeah, sure, Mark. Uh, well, just a, a Southern California car-crazy kid. Um, my, my uncle and uh, my father grew up in Burbank, Glendale area, sort of 50s, 60s, in the heyday of Hot Rod era. And so um, they were always around cars, and therefore I was always around cars with them and, and their father, my grandfather, from there, go-karting completely captivated my whole life. It was all I thought about. Everything that I achieved in life was basically milestones that my dad set in order to go racing. I had to achieve something in racing or, uh, or sorry, something at school uh, to go racing or something with uh, family behavior, etc. So it was always easy for me to get things accomplished when, it, when racing was on, on the reward scale of things. You know, being a professional driver, I, I can't answer how that all takes place or, or what kind of stars need to align. But these days, my life is is very much Porsche. Um, I, I eat, breathe, sleep the brand. Um, I'm a, an avid historic racer and, and car collector from the Porsche standpoint. And then, of course, on the weekends is my job, and that's uh, racing 
uh, in all facets of, of Porsche's motorsport involvement. And, and when I have a weekend off, if I try to jump into other things, as you mentioned, like Baja or uh, NASCAR, any, anything with a steering wheel or, or handlebars, I, I want to get my hands on. And it's just a great life that, that we all uh, lead in, in motorsport. It's, it's a passion and it's an addiction that we all share. And if we're lucky enough to get to do it in any facet of, of a profession, it, it's very, very fortunate. Well, you are living the dream. As my listeners know, I'm an avid and lifelong Porsche fan myself. And to, to listen to those words that you're sharing with us today of a life around Porsche, not only racing, but collecting and vintage racing. Oh, my gosh. You are definitely living the dream for sure. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. It's a great way of showing us what was instrumental in your life and forming your success. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Patrick, take the wheel. Well, I'm sure it's something that has probably been used before on your show, and um, it's a bit cliche, but I really believe that it's it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm. And I think that the network around me uh, was what enabled me to bridge the gap between a, a, a hopeful uh, go-kart kid and uh, a professional driver at Le Mans. And um, these days, I still find that the network is is so important. And obviously, you have to perform when the opportunity is there. But uh, getting the opportunity in in a, a seat or a, or a car uh, when so many people are worthy of that chance, it's really a tough one. So uh, I have so much credit to give to the people who have taken a shot at, at, at me and, and, and on me. Yeah, I've always said that we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. And I, I met you down at Rensport this past summer, and I watched all the people that came up to you, not only the fans, of course, the people that follow you, but the professionals in the industry, both old and young. I just talked to uh, Sal Fish this morning, who started uh, Score, the Baja Racing Adventures down there. And I mentioned that we'd be talking today, and he, oh, Patrick, I love Patrick. He's a great guy. So Yes, definitely who we align with and those people that we take care of. And everyone I've talked to about you, Patrick, has said he is the nicest guy. Uh, I think it's very, very true. Would you share with me a story that instigated your passion for racing? You talked about growing up in a car family. I'm a Southern California guy, too. The culture down there was so much about cars. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew, you know what, I want to be a race car driver? No, I mean, it was definitely always what mattered. But as far as it being a goal in a profession, that crossroad for me was very late compared to some drivers. Until I was 16 and I was faced with a decision and an opportunity to move full-time uh, abroad and, and live in Europe and, and race full-time professionally at a karting level, I, I had never really... Um, envisioned myself as a pro. I, I knew I had found some success behind the wheel and I was always uh, brought up in a family that was very realistic and said, you know, you, you have to go to college and you have to study hard and racing is a, a hobby. And so that's probably uh, really the journey for me began as soon as I packed my bags and left my family and, and all my friends that I had grown up with for uh, those first 16 years. Wow. Well, that must have been an amazing time in your life because at 16, I mean, most of us, I was going to the beach and surfing and, you know, riding my bike and skateboarding. And I cannot imagine packing up and moving to Europe to start a career. And I know that you speak all sorts of languages that probably came from having to go to Europe. But what was going through your head at that time? What was it like? It was a journey. It was so much about a motorsport, but there was a, a, a bigger message that was right in front of my face, but also uh, very subconscious. And that was 
just getting to see the world uh, at a young age when you're still forming a ton of your perspective and, and views and opinions. And it was a very interesting time in the late 90s. I mean, it was right when email and internet was was coming uh, to the forefront and um, technology in the in the motorsport side. I mean, we had data acquisition that was just starting to go onto our, our carts. And so it was just a, an amazing time in my my life. And I feel as though without five or six years of, of living by myself that early on abroad, I, I might be a different person today. Um, I was growing up in the suburbs of Southern California and in what I would consider a very comfortable, sheltered life. And to, to go back to the north of Italy and um, live in a very small village in a, in a one-bedroom apartment with three other drivers, it, it was nothing short of just eye-opening and fun from beginning to end. Uh, I can't tell uh, the sob story that uh, you know I had to beg for my food or or sleep out underneath the 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 trees. It was certainly sixty hour work weeks uh, with schooling as well um, in the evenings. But at that age, it's there's no question. It was just uh, just a journey. It was it was what what I wanted to do. Oh my gosh, wonderful, absolutely spectacular. So Patrick, what I'd love to do now is what I like to say crawl under the hood and talk a bit about a huge failure or a huge challenge that you faced along the way in your racing career. Maybe it was a time when you were, gonna, you were real close to saying, you know what, this isn't for me, I'm going to throw in the towel. But the most important part of this story has to do with how did you overcome that particular challenge and how were you able to move forward? What did it teach you? Well, certainly, you know, toward the end of my journey of my college years in motorsport, if you will, and, and those five or six years that I'm referring to living abroad without my family and friends and uh, really a, a pretty uh, single dimensional life, you know, the results weren't coming as easy as they had in previous years. I was uh, the first year uh, of racing in, in British Formula Ford, um, and it was an extremely competitive series and, very, you know, 30 young, hungry kids from all over the world fighting for a, a hopeful uh, opportunity to test in a Formula One car one day. And yeah. I remember looking around uh, in my room and just thinking, is this what I want to do? Is motorsport my game? Am, am I good enough? And, and mm -hmm. are the results ever going to come? And I think everybody's had those self-doubt questions. And certainly when it becomes an overriding theme and, and you're, you're second-guessing whatever you're doing or whatever path you've chosen – it's difficult and, you know, there, there wasn't always someone to really open up uh, to about that because you were worried about, you know, being vulnerable in, in a competitive atmosphere or oh, yeah. uh, that's the tough part for me and trying to climb the motorsport ladder. Um, and I don't think it's an unusual uh, one. It's probably some that you could tell the story that they had that monthly or, or annually. But in the end, the changing point is really getting back to the people and um, talking to people and seeking advice and getting with the right team and in the right car and, and turning around that adversity. And, and that's what I was able to do, you know, the season afterwards. And it's just such a, a lesson in life and in psychology of how quickly emotion can change our perspective. And, uh, you know, it, 18 or 19 years old, it, it seems like the end of the world. And now I look back on it and, and sometimes it's still a, a level of doubt that slips in your mind and what you're doing. And you just, you, you get to learn yourself and you get to understand how the mind and the body work. And it's much easier to work through. 
Oh, absolutely. Wonderful story to share with us. And thanks for sharing a really personal time in your life as well. I had Ari Leindyke Jr. on the show this week, and he shared some very similar stories. His father was a previous guest on my show, which was kind of fun to have the two generations on the show. But uh, definitely formidable years. Yours were very unique compared to most of ours. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of your racing career's aha moments. I like to say it's when the headlights come on and kind of illuminated your way for this new direction you had with your racing career. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. The aha moment for me would be joining a manufacturer. Um, when I finally was able to sort of sign up with Porsche in their AAA grassroots junior program, and start to learn and be a part of a, a real family, that was the ultimate light bulb. For me, before that, you get caught up in what everybody makes you believe is, is your journey or, or the goal or, or the pinnacle. And, and for a lot of young drivers of my generation, it was uh, Formula One or, or Champ Car in those days. And when sports car racing came knocking, uh, it wasn't an obvious yes um, and it wasn't something that I just signed right up for. And looking back, I was crazy to even second guess going in that direction. But at that point, I, I didn't have a ton of other options. I only had hope in continuing on the single-seater route and, and maybe making it to Formula One. But when I look at that decision and, and that crossroad today, it was it's such a no-brainer. But you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. <laughs> sure. And again, I keep coming back to the same theme. I mean, picking up the phone and, and, and doing my due diligence and asking for advice from people who had been successful was really what helped me to to make a comfortable decision. But um, yeah, I mean, being a driver or, or in motorsport is uh, shaky ground at times because it's uh, very much based on where the budget comes from the year after. And to be with a manufacturer is about the best job security that you could hope for as a driver. And you know, 13 years later, I, I owe my whole career and, and a lot of my life and a lot of my network and my friends' uh, relationships to the brand that put their name behind me as, as sort of an unproven young punk. <laughs> well, all of us who love the Porsche brand are so happy that you made that uh, now so obvious choice. I understand at the time you're questioning a lot of things you're doing, but we're so happy that you joined Porsche because it's just a Ah, the history and the success and everything behind the Porsche brand is so spectacular. So we're so happy that you're there. Tell us what was your first really special race car and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle. And I know you've raced a lot of very, very special cars, and that's why I add the word first in here. Yeah, I think that the, the most special race car is always the first. And for me, you know, again, you go back to being a five or six year old kid and going to Ascot and watching the sprint cars run and then go through the gates after the race and trample through the mud across the track and sit in a hot, broken down race. That was the goal. And that was the passion. And I have pictures, you know, that my family show me of that. But to strap in and drive and test a race car for the first time is that surreal moment that you don't really always bank will come. And um, for me, it was a, a sort of a, a drizzly afternoon in, in Holtville, uh, El Centro, California, in, in a, a very rough old uh, airport runway uh, racetrack that's almost makeshift and temporary. Uh, I'm not even sure if they still run there today in any club racing, but uh, East San Diego area, and it was a, a spec racer. And to me, it was it was a dream. I, I remember uh, strapping into that and, and thinking I'm driving a race car. And 
that moment I'll never forget. But I think it, it comes back to what we all share in the passion of driving at any level. And that is that you're in control of your own destiny and you're out there uh, in full uh, immersed mindset uh, where nothing else really is on your mind, but what's coming at you and in front of you. And uh, I'll never forget that day. I'll bet. I'm familiar with that area since I grew up in San Diego, so it must have been spectacular. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You've raced in so many venues, so many races, but what was your most memorable race? And maybe you can take us through just a little bit of that adrenaline pumping experience that you had. And what stands out in your mind with that event? Yeah, it's hard to pick one memorable race. Uh, there's been so many and, and such great um, opportunities at Le Mans and Daytona and Spa. And I think I'll just pick one. And, and that was the first and the only time that I raced at Monaco. You know, Nürburgring and Le Mans and Monza, Silverstone, those are, those are places that, uh, you know, are bucket list racetracks. But Monaco is the one that you never really know if you'll ever get a shot because it only really races, you know, once, twice a year with the historics. And um, to to go through uh, the concrete jungle, first of all, it's much more demanding and challenging than I ever expected. Um, Watching videos of it and and watching or being on a simulator, uh, you, you think you know your way around. But the first thing that strikes you is how blind every corner is and how much elevation uh, change and just how narrow and little little room for error there is. And I found myself well off the pace the first uh, session, but by the end of the weekend, I was able to climb the the podium and I uh, finished third in the Super Cup race supporting Formula One uh, in 2003 that year. And, uh, you know, I always watched Formula One and, and saw the unusual podium ceremony where you stop on the front straightaway and, you know, you walk up in front of uh, the royalty and accept oh, yeah. the trophy. And so, to, to be able to do that at a, a smaller scale, but still every bit is special because it was Sunday morning and the crowds were already in the stands for the Formula One race. It started about an hour and a half later. I'll, I'll never really forget that moment. It was pretty surreal. It, it wasn't an elation or a huge amount of emotion. It was kind of like, am I really here? But uh, <laughs> very, very, very cool part of the journey that I don't always talk about, but figured I would pick a, a different one than and some of the random uh, other uh, answers I give often. Yeah, no, I'm so happy you shared that with us. That must have been absolutely spectacular. Wow, what a what a great opportunity, and congratulations to you for uh, picking up the pace and ending up on the podium. That's fantastic. Is there a project that you're working on right now or something that's coming up pretty soon that really has you excited and fired up? Well, that's a, that's a long-winded answer I could give you there because <laughs> some of my friends in, in, a, in, a, you know, in a rough making fun of way would, would tell me that I'm Mr. Project and that I'm not great at completing projects, but I'm great at starting them. And uh, most of them are, are car projects. I have a 1930 uh, Model A uh, steel-bodied uh, hot rod that's uh, you know, sort of a, a Lakester slash rat rod you know it's it's certainly not a high boy or or any bright colors on it but it's also not rusty or patinaed out and and it's a car that i've been working on for years and and i don't know if it'll ever be complete but i've had so much fun i've met so many great people and and learned a ton about it but the other side of uh, the coin away from the car projects would be a new little car show that we've put on here in southern california a couple of times called lufkekult and lufkekult translates from german into english as air cooled and basically um, it's our take on cars, coffee, friends, music, family, and uh, it's really uh, meant to be more of a, uh, an art gallery and a journey through the 50s to the 90s of, of what Porsche put on the road that didn't have a water radiator and uh, mostly 911s, but 356s and 
906s and you know 904s whatever you you might have seen Porsche put out uh, for the street or for the race cars and you know myself and and a friend Howie Idelson from Southern California uh, we decided we wanted to do sort of the anti concourse and and the anti auction or or um normal cars and coffee and it's been a great great journey and a lot of fun and uh last year we had uh, over 300 cars turn out and uh it, it's just really a great uh gathering of southern california porsche car guy culture you know i saw online pictures of that event i was so jealous because i wanted to be there so bad it looked like absolutely fantastic not only a really well organized event looked like a lot of fun but the the people that were there and the Porsche culture that it brought out looks like an absolutely wonderful event. I've kind of tried to make a point to get down there. Is that going to be an annual event? Um, we're we're running it pretty loose. We'll certainly do at least one show a year. Where, how frequent, uh, what? I think we want to keep uh, our attendees guessing. A little <laughs> bit about of it is the interaction and the mystery. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now we're scheduled and looking at April of 2016 uh, in Los Angeles for our next event. Uh, but I did some site checks in Japan this year uh, around Tokyo because there's such a car culture there, of course, and, and a huge Porsche following and especially vintage Porsches. And so I had a few people that that asked if we would ever come to Japan. And uh, the answer was absolutely when and and how we're going to find the time is a, is another uh, answer. But um, no, it's it's something that will evolve and it'll the brand. We want the brand just to define itself. But um, sure. yeah, check it out. It's uh, Lufkakult.net. And uh, even if you don't know how to spell it or pronounce it, uh, that's part of the journey. Google will help you out to find <laughs> the, the website. Well, I'll help those Cars Yeah listeners by putting a link on your show notes page on the Cars Yeah website so that those listeners can go to your show notes page and find that event because it really is, it looks spectacular. And I'm going to make every effort I can to try to attend one of those. And good luck with that 1930s uh, hot rod you're building. I hope you get that done soon. You've, pl- you've got plenty of people down there in Southern California to help you with uh, some of the p- bits and pieces and parts, of course. <laughs> very, very cool. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Patrick. If you were a race car, what kind of race car would Patrick Long be and why? Ah. Uh. <laughs> that's that's not an easy one. I think when I when I think of of eighties Formula One cars, um, that's the heyday of of what I see in in driving and and still having your hand uh, down on the the gear shifter and you know no power steering and and high high amounts of downforce. I wouldn't consider myself personally a Formula One uh, person uh, or or example. But um, I'm I'm born in the '80s, and I love that that era of racing. So uh, yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with uh, some of the in-car camera footage from the movie Senna. Is is the the type of racing I I lay around and and still dream about as a young boy. Perfect answer. Is there a specific car that really pulls on your heartstrings? No, I mean any any of the the later era uh, later '80s era cars yeah. uh, were just just incredible. I think of uh, KK Rosberg's record lap at Silverstone in in the Williams and and what a what a wild time that was but um no there's there's lots of different cars that that I I love to watch uh, old old footage of oh yeah they're fantastic that was an era that uh long gone it was wonderful so Patrick up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal I'd like to say a word from our Carsia sponsor Metrovac has been manufacturing and providing quality automotive vacuums and blowers since 1939. I've used their portable vacuum and blowers for over 15 years in my garage, on my cars, motorcycles, around my home, and you should too. Their Air Force Master Blaster Revolution is my go-to tool 
every time I wash and detail my vehicles. Powered by two twin-fan 4.0 peak horsepower motors, the Master Blaster delivers up to 58,000 feet per minute of clean, warm, dry, filtered air. Dry your car without a towel and avoid those nagging micro-scratches. Perfect for the wheels, engines, motorcycles, and all those frustrating water traps in trim, door jams, and seals. Check out all of MetroVac's quality products, deliberately made better in the USA. MetroVac is the right choice. Learn more today at MetroVac.com. Use discount code CARSYEAH20 and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. Details at CarsYeah.com slash sponsors. Okay, Patrick, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag is out. Trying to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some rather quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. What's the best racing advice you've ever received and who was it from? The best advice uh, I received was actually to, to put yourself in the best equipment possible when you're looking at decisions on which team or series to run with always go uh, with the best equipment and and that advice came from Dan Weldon who gave it to my father uh, who my father was asking him advice on how to get his son in, in front of the right people perfect would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your racing success ah uh, study do your homework i think uh, being prepared keeps the anxiety down and it keeps the frantic nature down and uh, you go in uh, with your shoulders down and your head high you know i've had many racers here in cars yeah and that is the repeated message be prepared be prepared be prepared <laughs> absolutely do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would really enjoy i spend a lot of time uh, on pelican parts searching uh, about vintage cars they have lots of different information and tutorials and classifieds and and all types of things especially with Porsche um, I learned lots about uh, the history of our cars and parts and different uh, versions of cars and so I I have a lot of fun at Pelican Parts and uh, it's a great forum you know it is a great site and I'll tell you it's really funny because we're recording this uh, in the week that we're recording it my guest just two days ago was Wayne Dempsey Oh, yeah. Wait, I know well. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Pelican Parts is near and dear to my heart as well. So there you go, Wayne. There's your shout out. Patrick, is there one book in particular you think the Cars Out listeners would really enjoy reading? Ah, there's there's so many. Carol Smith writes a huge uh, amount of content into his books, Race to Win and Tune to Win. I, I also love The Unfair Advantage. Um, it's It's just hard to choose one. Well, that's okay. I'll list those books on your show notes page. Those are some great books. They've been recommended before. They sit on my library shelf. I love all those. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Patrick has been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com slash Patrick Long. Patrick, before we end up here, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? With a guy that is busy as you are traveling, is there anything you like to do to just relax? I just like to unplug and, and get away from it all and, and go uh, where things are quiet and, and out into nature, camping, surfing, being around family, friends. Uh, I have a golden retriever uh, who's a, a great dog, and we just go on a hike or go climb climb a mountain for the day and uh, just breathe the fresh air. There you go. Perfect. All right, Patrick, we're up to what I call the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car, and I'll include collector race car in your garage, 
But this isn't something you can sell and buy a bunch of other cars with. So that little trick's off the table. But money's no object. Today, I'll buy you whatever car in the world you'd like to have. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Wow. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's one that's to get to one car. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. I, I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with um, a 1975 930 Turbo, a Porsche 911 Turbo. Um, I think that the early uh, 930 Turbos are so iconic, and uh, I just get get a kick out of driving any vintage 911. But when you put a turbo on it, uh, it certainly brings a smile to my face. Oh, uh, you know, I love turbos. I have a little later later version. I have an 87 930, but. Uh, if you look at like your uh, neighbor up there, down there from me in Southern California, Magnus Walker, he's got some pretty nice uh, first generation turbos that he's always posting up on his Facebook page. He's a, another guest that's been here on Cars. Yeah. So sounds wonderful. Now, what color would you like me to find for you? Ooh, um, when it, when it comes, to, I, I have a, a taste for each different type of 911 has a, a different color, but I think, uh, I think, uh, Maybe like a crystal green or or a, a dark gray. Nice. I, I was I was always about black black nine thirties as a kid. I had a, the poster on the wall, as everybody says. But now I get into more of these uh, pastel trippy seventies and eighties colors. Yeah, I love those too. Well, great choice, Patrick. You've taken me on a great ride around the track today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed having you as a guest here on Cars Yeah and your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your amazing journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Is there one? parting piece of guidance you could offer us before you drive off down the racetrack in your 1975-930? Ah, just get out and drive. I think um, the, the best part about getting to see the gates of a, of a racetrack or, or the Sunday morning car guide meetups is uh, the people. I think that the, the cars are what bring us together and the people are what keep us there and keep us talking uh, well, well into the evening. So I, I, love, I love sharing a common bond uh, with people of, of like interests. And, and I think that's what life is all about is, is the time we spend with people. Absolutely. Uh, that's absolutely true. And uh, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing these days? Uh, my website is patricklong.com and I do some social media, PL Motorsport. My initials P like Patrick, L like Long, PL Motorsport, Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. Great. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to all these resources at carsyad.com. Just put Patrick in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with links to everything that he's been so nice to share with us today. Again, Patrick, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.